Welcome everyone, I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, with the latest installment of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast, where I get to talk to our editors and reporters about the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Today, my guest is Housing Wire real estate reporter, Brooklyn Hahn, and we have lots to talk about. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. Why should you price your jumbo loans with PennyMac TPO? Is it the same great service you've come to expect with their conventional loans? Yes. Is it the competitive pricing they provide? Yes. Is it the fact that after closing, they don't sell off your borrowers so that you know they are in good hands? That would also be a yes. Get more information or price a jumbo AUS loan today at tpo.pennymac.com. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender. NMLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Brooklyn, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for joining. You are... um, very busy. You write real estate coverage for both HousingWire and Realtrends.com, and uh, that's one of our sister sites. So you are you are hopping. You you get to cover a lot of different things, and I'm excited to talk about some of those stories today. Yeah, definitely some really interesting stories these past couple of weeks. Well, the first story I'd like to talk about is drama in the Myrtle Beach real estate scene, which really talks about um, a Century Twenty One. Um, agent who was not authorized, but but accessed records and and went into the office in the night. Um, can you tell us what happened there? So yes, there are two Myrtle Beach Century Twenty One franchises that have filed a lawsuit against EXP Realty and two EXP Realty agents. Uh, one of which is Joel Barber. And prior to the filing of this lawsuit, uh, and earlier this year, even Joel Barber worked as uh, a contract agent for the Century 21, the Harlson Group. And the Harlson Group, as well as Century 21 Barefoot Realty, which uh, share an office building in Myrtle Beach, have alleged in their lawsuit that Barber um, accessed the office building uh, six times on various occasions between the hours of 10.30 p.m. and 5.30 a.m., Um, And he was allegedly caught on the Harlson Group's ring camera security system. Uh, And the lawsuit alleges that Barber, once he was in the office building, then broke into um, separate agent offices within the building and then hacked into password-protected company computers uh, to steal you know, steal data, um, you know, for various leads and different clients that agents at both the Harlson Group and Barefoot Realty were dealing with. And one of the brokers at uh, Barefoot Realty, um, as well as the brokers at Harlson Group, were kind of suspecting this and had seen someone breaking in on uh, the ring footage that they thought was Barber. And so, they kind of discussed this with the police, and um, early morning hours of February 7th, the police um, found Barber on Century 21 property uh, and escorted him off the premises. And according to the police report, Barber denied all of the allegations about 
him breaking in and stealing data. And instead, his reply was that he was just looking for ideas to better improve his team. And and we should note that he now works for EXP Realty. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, since he his contract uh, was terminated on February 7th, he has been working at EXP Realty. This is such a fascinating story because we know that um, brokerages, you know, they poach agents all the time and, and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of intrigue on a regular basis, but you don't normally, we haven't had a lot of stories um, that allege, allege this level of going in there and, and getting information. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting story and something that's a bit different. Um, It kind of in some way reads a bit like, you know, a mystery novel, I guess. Um, But, you know, right now with inventory so tight and, you know, a lot of agents are kind of getting desperate for leads at times and, you know, doing whatever it takes. And I think this is definitely potentially one of those um, circumstances. And, you know, uh, it's rather unfortunate, but, you know, there are more agents and realtors right now than ever before, and inventory is at its lowest level on record. So it is an incredibly competitive environment. We've got 1.4 million realtors out there. Meanwhile, the, that's more than the total um, inventory of houses for sale. So, you know, that's that's pretty rough. And then, of course, you have the top agents who really buy you know, by percentage, they have so many of those listings anyway that they're selling. So it's a, it's rough for people. Um, obviously, we don't know. This is what the lawsuit said. We don't know that this individual did that. Um, we'll be keeping up with the story and seeing if charges are filed, if, you know, how the lawsuit goes. But it is interesting to see um, just this competitive, what, what might happen in this competitive uh, environment. The next thing I, I wanted to ask you about was um, uh, the brokerage uh, Fathom, Fathom Realty. Um, its parent company, Fathom Holdings, reported their earnings um, last week. And I'd love to talk about what we're seeing there because one of the questions we have as we're looking at uh, all the earnings is like, what is the model that's working right now for for real estate? To your point and, and what we've said already, there are so few houses for sale. It's really difficult um, even, even when those houses are much more, you know, they're selling for much more and they the average price has gone up. It still is a very interesting environment for, for real estate brokerages. So what did you find when you did this story about Fathom? So yes, Fathom Realty had its earnings call, uh, last Tuesday and, uh, Fathom is a flat fee brokerage, meaning that it charges a set fee and st- Instead of taking a percentage of the agent's commission for either the sale of a home or, you know, helping um, a client purchase a home. And uh, so in 2021, um, Fathom uh, had a $12.5 million gap net loss. Um, And this is despite having increased revenue 87% to $330.2 million dollars. Um, and for a little bit of perspective, in 2020, Fathom lost $1.3 million. Um, and the CEO, Josh Harley, said on the call that the firm is looking to achieve profitability in the near future. Um, and, you know, as you said, there is, you know, a lot of not necessarily concern, but I guess intrigue in the real estate brokerage space right now. Um, about, you know, 
how are we going to generate profits and revenue this year if inventory stays low, if, you know, we don't sell as many homes and, um, you know, things like that. And so Fathom is really hoping that and believing that it's kind of flat fee model will attract agents who, you know, with higher prices on homes, that means that while they might be earning more, the brokerage they work for or work under is also earning more because they're taking a cut of, you know, their cut. Um, And so with Fathom, you know, it's a, it's a flat fee. And so if they're selling homes that are worth more and more, they're keeping in essence more of that their commission that they're earning. Um, and so Fathom is hoping that really really brings in more agents. Um, this past year, the agent count grew forty eight percent at Fathom. So you know it's definitely possible that this could keep happening and they could be you know keep getting more and more agents and then through that increase their um, profitability. Um, and one of the other things that Fathom is really focusing on is uh, it's ancillary services. So it's title insurance, it's mortgage, and kind of it's at technology sectors. Um, and so Fathom's title firm is currently licensed in 29 states. And although they didn't disclose the exact attach rate, um, Harley, the CEO, uh, did note that the title for title firms quarter four or earnings were equivalent to its earnings for all of 2020. So, you know, clearly, wow. Yeah. Clearly the, the title firm is doing well, it's growing. Um, and you know, I would also guess that the attach rate is increasing, um, for all of the ancillary services that Fathom has, uh, the attach rate was somewhere between five and six percent. They wouldn't really commit to either one of those numbers, um, but it was somewhere in that. And they're really hoping to increase the attach rate to about ten percent in the next twelve to eighteen months. Um, and so they're really thinking that this increase in attach rate with a rising agent count will really, you know, lead to an uptick in revenue and then um, kind of increase profitability. You know, the other thing that should be noted is there were a lot of mergers and acquisitions this past year at Fathom, which definitely would cut into its revenue and, you know, its chance of being profitable. And I think that definitely, um, you know, was one of the reasons why um, why the uh, net loss was so much higher this year than it was last year. Yeah, they. I mean, they made six acquisitions over the last year, which is notable, right? Um so that I think that's interesting. I also think your point about the title is so, you know, just on brand for what's going on right now, like as for mortgage companies and real estate companies looking to increase their profits. That's one of the places that they can look, right? And it makes such it, it, it's such an ancillary, it's such a good fit for both for both mortgage and real estate that we're seeing that more and more and and really seeing the benefits of that for the companies who have expanded into title. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely a chance to kind of bring in more revenue and, you know, in a tight market as it is right now, um, you know, any chance you have to generate some more revenue, the better. Let's talk about some of the um, 
other brokerages that we keep an eye on. So you've written several stories about both EXP and Corcoran expanding internationally. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So um, on Tuesday of this week, both Corcoran Group and EXP Realty um, announced new um, operations or the launch of new operations in um, different parts of the world. So EXP uh, just expanded into Greece, and this is the brokerage's 20th international market. Um, And uh, EXP Global plans to launch in three different international markets during the first quarter of 2022. Uh, in February, it announced its launch in Dominican Republic, and it also plans on opening in New Zealand uh, later this quarter. So that's really exciting. Um, Corcoran Group uh, launched in Cayman Islands. Um, this is uh, the brokerage's first Cayman Island operation, but it also, it already has several um, different affiliates in the Caribbean. Um, and, you know, that's that's another big move. And Cayman has, you know, quite a few luxury properties. Um, so that definitely fits under Corcoran Group's kind of overall brand. And then also Keller Williams um, last Thursday, announced its expansion uh, in Guyana. And this is uh, Keller Williams' uh, ninth master franchise in South America. Fascinating to see these companies as they expand internationally. I mean, we know that like mortgage and real estate doesn't work the same in every other country, but it's it just makes sense in this competitive environment where you have so little inventory in the U.S. to look outside the borders. And as you said, I mean, a lot of these companies already have a really big global presence. So it uh, makes sense that they're on track. It It is interesting, though, if you think about just the many international geopolitical factors that they have to look at, um, especially right now, as far as like what's going to impact those markets, um, not to even mention the pandemic, right? Exactly. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so much to consider. Um, Keller Williams has, you know, various criteria in place um, when selecting a new international market to move into. Um, It has one of, you know, some of the criteria are that the market has to be located in an area with government banking and judicial system stability. Um, And so that, you know, seeing everything that's going on in the world right now, I can understand them looking for kind of that sense of stability and that this will be kind of a long-term investment that'll hopefully be there for a while that they can, you know, grow the brokerage there. Um, But I know a lot of agents that I've spoken with really love working for these big kind of global brokerages because, you know, they can help their clients, you know, buy a second home in the Caribbean Uh, because they can connect them with an affiliate or a branch of their brokerage that's already down there. And, you know, it kind of really opens up the network available to these agents. That's a great point that I hadn't even considered that, you know, it's not just like for for local buyers, but their current buyers, they're looking for opportunities to expand their portfolios, to get a vacation home, or, or to even move. I mean, There are people who are moving internationally, just like, you know, they're moving internally. So really interesting. Well, I feel like the theme of this entire conversation has been, 
you know, what the real estate brokerage is, what the companies are really looking at to improve their margins, grow their business, which is what everyone wants to do. And, um, you know, has been made more difficult in the current environment where you just have so few houses for sale. So it makes sense that there's all sorts of things being tried for competitive advantage. For sure. Yeah. It's really interesting to see the different strategies in place. Um, and, you know, no two brokerages are approaching it the same way. Um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting to follow and see how they all do. What are you working on um, over the next week that we can be looking for? Um, so I am continuing to report out the Gillette Wyoming housing market profile that I've been working on. Um, and that is really interesting because right now, um, you know, with everything going on in the world and rising oil and gas prices, Gillette is the self-proclaimed energy capital of the nation. So uh, with a housing market that's already pretty tight there, it'll be interesting to see um, you know, if even more people start moving in for you know more job opportunities in the coal and oil industries that are out there um, and you know how that could potentially impact the housing market there as well. Um, and then I'm also working on a story about RESPA and RESPA violations um, between title insurance companies and real estate agents and brokerages um, and kind of what constitutes a RESPA violation, what doesn't, um, you know, how these things are currently being enforced and how, you know, how title companies can build relationships with real estate agents without violating RESPA and, you know, for a real estate agent's perspective, you know, what do they look for in a good title insurance company and what, you know, if there are multiple title firms to choose from in their area, you know, why do they pick one over the other? That's going to be a great story. RESPA is just so uh, top of mind right now when you think about, or or at least the, the risk for RESPA violations can be top of mind because in a purchase market, those referral relationships are so important and yet fraught with peril because there are some parts of the RESPA rules that are just very unclear. And so I'm looking forward to that story so that you can give some more clarity on, on what you're seeing. Yes, definitely. It's been an interesting thing to look into, especially right now, you know, as we've been talking about, the market is so competitive, not just for real estate, but for ancillary services like title that have been kind of switching over from more refi to purchase transactions. Um, so yeah, it's, it's important to build those relationships and get those referrals. Well, we'll be looking for those stories. In the meantime, our audience can find uh, your reporting on both housingwire.com and realtrends.com. And Brooklyn, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingware.com forward slash membership.
Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.